Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Blackfoot Communications is actively supporting the communities we serve across Montana and Idaho. We are installing hundreds of miles of fiber in our service territories, increasing the broadband experience in our rural communities. We are delivering remote workforce solutions for our business communities. We are creating new, innovative solutions for our local entrepreneurs and enterprise organizations. Learn how your company can benefit. Call today at 541-5000 or go to blackfootbusiness.com. Blackfoot Communications Connect to more. Before the final falling, now never rest on until I can make my own way. I'm not afraid of fading. Welcome back. Hopefully Godsmack's got you awake. I was going to say, is Reese angry today? Hey, I told him yesterday. <laughs> I was all fired up because I was hanging out with football coaches all day yesterday. I said nothing but Metallica, Guns N' Roses, and uh, Godsmack today, boys. And they, he abided. The dude abided, which is very good. Thank you very much, Reese. It is Nuanas Now, 1029 ESPN Missoula, as well as statewide on SWX Montana Television. Missed anything in the first hour of the show. You can check it out on the podcast. Podcast is available on all of your podcasting platforms, as well as just by going to our station website, 1029ESPN.com. You can also find the stream on the station website. All you got to do is click on Listen Live, and uh, you'll find the live feed. The stream is presented by Opportunity Bank of Montana. Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. Now we go to the Rangers Brothers RV phone line as we do every other Tuesday. It is the business angle with Justin Angle. He is a professor of business at the University of Montana. And also I hear the proud father of a birthday girl. Justin, what's going on? And a happy birthday to your daughter. This is an exciting day for any kid to uh, to have a birthday, no matter what time of year it is. Indeed, yeah. Hey, fellas. Ainsley, my daughter, turned 11 today. And I was trying to, like, I couldn't, I, I didn't quite have the time to run the numbers on this. But we've been doing this, what, like three months, every right. other Tuesday. And now I've had two daughters come up for birthdays on Tuesdays. And it was happened to be a Tuesday where I was on the show. So fortuitous kickoff to a, a business angle. And, uh, yeah, shout out to my daughter, Ainsley. We got to love it. Up with me. Of course, man. We got to love it. Well, we, get, we got a lot of stuff to get into. But, one, this is a very interesting point, And this is one 
when you texted me about this earlier, Justin, that really struck to the core of, of my own personal experience because I, I've throughout my life, and I haven't gotten into it in Missoula since I moved back. I need to because it's definitely one of my favorite uh, pastimes. But my seven years in Bozeman, and then before that, when I was still living in Missoula, I've umpired a lot. I've done a lot of umpiring for baseball from you know U12 major boys all the way through American Legion ball. And it's one of my favorite things. I love doing it. Uh, I think it's a great way to contribute to the community, but it's also it's a great challenge and it's very fun and it's just an awesome way to stay engaged in baseball. And it's a great way to be outside in the summer as well. But you brought a great point up. The Australian Open's going on right now and they're using 100% electronic line judges. This to me is fascinating, and so uh, before we get into all the ways that this might matriculate throughout all sports, what's your general take on this, particularly when it comes to uh, tennis and the Australian Open? Well, it is, it is fascinating, and you know, it kind of makes me think. We this is an issue we think about a lot in business, and in particular in business education. It's sort of like this notion of the future of work. What what are we're preparing students for jobs that that we we don't really know what those jobs will be when they get there. And so there's a couple of different ways to think about it. You know, one, one useful framework that a colleague of mine at the University of Massachusetts Lowell developed was thinking about the future work in terms of, when I say the future work, meaning like how disruptive is technology going to be to the work that you do? Um, you can think about it in terms of like, you know, what is the value that's being delivered? So for me, it's education. For you, it, it's sports commentary, uh, journalism. So what, what is the value there, and what is the degree of threat to that value? And then another dimension you can think about it is how is that value being delivered? So for me, delivering in a classroom, for you, on a podcast or on a radio show or, you know, website, whatever, is there a threat to that way it's being delivered? And if you think about it in terms of sports, like what do we want out of officials, right? Officials in tennis in particular, you want precision, accuracy, and speed, right? Consistency over and over again, they got to get it right. There's not a lot of judgment involved in whether a ball is in or out. So that seems like, you know, given that framework, that's an obvious place where you're going to see disruption where technology replaces the human element. Other sports aren't quite so simple. There's a lot more judgment, and I'm sure we'll get into that. But it's, it's not surprising to me that tennis is kind of the first place where you're seeing this take hold. You know, these, these line judging machines have been around for years and years and years. They finally got to a point where I think it was last season the U.S. Open took a chance on them um, in some matches, and now you've seen the, the, the Australian Open go 100%. Wimbledon announced there they intend to follow suit. It's not surprising, and we don't know too much yet, but it seems like the players are kind of welcoming it. And we look at the time element side of things, too, and the, the human element. I mean, how do we balance it back and forth, Justin, too? Because I know we'll talk about tennis and how it has kind of grown the last couple of weeks with the Australian Open and getting used to it. I think the players still, because I'm staying up late and watching it because I love doing this at 1, 2 in the morning. There's two weeks a year that the Australian Open's on, and there's less confusion at all. I mean, the players are moving on. You don't see any spats back and forth with uh, officials, umpires, everyone in between, but but 
part of sports of what we like, and I, I go back to baseball here too, is just that human element that, yeah, it's 99% accurate or it might not be 100%. Exactly. So when we're balancing that back and forth, I mean, yes, at the end of the day, bottom line, we want accuracy, but how much of a cost to the human element side of things is that too? Do you think that that's going to be the conversation that we're having down the road here of, okay, yes, we do kind of admit that it will be 100% accurate if we use automated systems here, but we all love the human element of it, right? I mean, the debate that comes with sports and even certain calls. I mean, that's a huge part to me that I, I'm not sure I'm ready to move past yet. Where do you kind of stand with it? And do you see that that may be our conversation moving forward of more of, okay, is it 100% accuracy or do we want that human element side of it too? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's in between, right? Both Both situations can be true. I don't think anybody enjoys it when you know, a line judge gets it wrong. That's pretty binary. It's either in or it's out. There's no sort of human judgment. Whereas, like, you know, after a football game, people love to debate whether the refs got that pass interference call or no call right. Because um, those are areas where it's, it's less clear. It's less sort of, it's, it's more subject to... Um, the human element, is, as, as you described it, and I think there are areas of sport where that human element and that human judgment will continue to be important, will continue to be critical, and at least in the time, in the, in the near term, probably not able to be replaced. It would be nice to think of, you know, if we manage this properly, maybe we can set umpires and referees up in positions where the entirety of their cognitive energy can be put on the side the human um, the human element and the stuff that can be automated like let's not consume their energy and attention with that stuff that's either right or wrong. if a machine can do it fine let the machine do it uh, the other stuff in between let the refs focus on that Justin Engel joining us. It's the Business Angle presented by Blackfoot Communications. We do this every other Tuesday during the 5 o'clock hour right here on Nuwana's Now on 1029 ESPN Missoula. The biggest point of contention I have over all this, because I totally agree, I think that like line judges in tennis and things like that, okay, is it in or is it out? Uh, same thing with like in a basketball, if it's in or out. But then you get down to the judgment calls that come from, uh, you know, physical play in a basketball game. But to me, the most pertinent example here is the strike zone in baseball. Somebody that almost exclusively works behind the plate when I call games, there is a absolute uh, nuance and there's a delicate dance that goes into baseball and strike zones. I mean, Riley, you were a pitcher at American Legion Baseball. You know, right, you have to establish a rapport with the umpire to know what calls you're getting. And my strike zone is different every game based on the teams, what I'm seeing, all of these different things. The, the catcher. The catcher, the aggressiveness, how you framing it, how you spot it. It's, it's, it's part of the beautiful dance that is baseball. I think the best Major League umpires would tell you they don't call the same balls and strikes. It might be just an eighth of an inch different, but it's still different depending on the game. So I guess I'll go to Riley. First of all, what do you think of that element? It seems as if you never. I would never want the strike zone automated. Like when they have the square on the thing and the, the ump is calling you know, the low and outside slider a strike and it's right outside the box, 
it's a strike because the ump said it was a strike. I don't care what the box says. I agree with you. I, I think baseball, this is where I'm having a hard time accepting it because baseball strike zone, the aspect of knowing that each umpire is different, and I know we keep going back to the term human element, but it's very true when it comes to a strike zone. I have a hard time accepting that. I think that's always going to be kind of a gray area where it's 95% of the time, okay, that that pitch is going to be a strike. What Justin was saying about tennis, for sure. Now, that's a different side of things. It's either in or it's out. There's there's no gray area in between. But then I want to bring in another sport to this, Justin, and Coulter, whoever wants to kind of attack this one is football. And I think everybody or most people listening here have an interest in football. And the thought of having pass interference or anything decided, I mean, we, we talk about all the, the little things, the nuances that comes with officiating. They're throwing yellow pieces of cloth out there. They're wearing zebra suits. I mean, come on. It's all kind of hilarious in its own way. Artificial intelligence on top of it. I mean, in football, it would be kind of crazy. Totally. And then that's what comes down to what would be also controversial because, Justin, you mentioned uh, in our previous discussion about not just the tangible things like in and out or, or a line, you know, is it in and out in a tennis match? But then you have, especially in contact sports, physical sports like basketball, for example, and Riley's about to hit the road to go to Eastern Washington. We've seen physical altercations in the last three Eastern Washington, Montana men's basketball games. Hard fouls, guys going to the ground, guys getting up, shoving each other, all these things. If you don't have referees or officials in that circumstance, in that situation, how do you manage that? How do you mitigate it? So, Justin, I mean... It, 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 what first of all, tell people about just artificial intelligence in general. There's no real way that an, an AI unit could then engage in the the emotional parts of officiating sports, right? Well, I don't, I, I don't know the answer to that. I mean, we'll ha- we'll have to sort of see. I mean, even in the Australian Open, they still have the chair umpire, right? So there's still somebody that has to kind of adjudicate the match and the way these two competitors interact. Um, and that hasn't, that hasn't gone away yet. Um, you know, and then to your point about the strike zone in baseball, I mean, if baseball holds on, it tends to hold on to a lot of traditions. A lot of sports do that, but you know, ultimately what you two were describing was a desire for the athletes to find consistency, right? Like you want the strike zone to be consistent. You want to know within a game, um, how the ref is calling it. And if you can eliminate that uncertainty and have it always be the same, you know, that's ultimately kind of what the athletes are looking for. I mean, it's a debatable point, but I, I think, like, the premise is we want consistency. Um, with regard to the artificial intelligence, I mean, I think people, where they kind of go wrong with AI is they think that it will assume a human form. Right, it's going to be some robot sitting dressed up in the in the striped uniform or sitting in the umpire's chair. It's it's not going to be that way. I mean, like take pass interference for example. You could develop an algorithm, and I can't remember the player's name, but there was uh, there was a call in the Super Bowl early on where you know the Bucks got a pass interference call. And the, the ball was overthrown, or there was debate about it being catchable, right? And, and for a pass interference call to be legit, the ball has to be catchable. Well, that's the sort of thing that, given enough computing power and enough data and enough speed, like that's a problem that an AI can solve. It can understand the speed that that receiver's running and the trajectory of the ball. And... You know, we, we can't do it today, but down the road, computers get faster and faster and faster, and these algorithms train themselves. You know, that's machine learning. Like, there will be a day where a computer can make that call, 
um, with regard to the ball being catchable. Um, and I think we need to sort of prepare. I don't know if prepare is the right word, but I think we need to think about what that, what that future looks like. Because it's not like robot referees. It's having all these um, high-powered analytics at the referee's disposal so they can make better choices you know, in real time. Um, that, that's kind of my view of it. We're talking with Justin Angle, one of our favorite segments here on the show, A Business Angle, every other Tuesday here at the start of the 5 o'clock hour on Nuana's Now 1029 ESPN here in Missoula. And Justin, I think you let me right into it because part of this, I mean, on paper, absolutely, it's the right decision to make, right? Because we're going to get more accuracy and there's not going to be that gray area. But how much of this is maybe us fighting history and tradition because when you watch a baseball game you're used to an umpire behind the plate you're used to um players chipping back and forth about maybe a a call that's not 100 certain or not so how much of it because yeah you look at it on paper we should go to this because then you know you're going to have 100 accuracy how much of the fight or maybe this transition the next five to ten years however much the timeline may be is us just fighting the history and tradition of what we're used to with watching sports and the way that they're refereed or officiated. Yeah, I think that's a lot of it. I mean, I think some coaches probably view their job, part of their job is working the refs, right? And some coaches are better than it, better at it than others. Some coaches are able to persuade the refs and others antagonize the refs, and we can see that. We don't like to think that's a part of the game, but it is a part of the game. And, you know, if you're a coach that... That, that is good at that, you're going to hang on to that advantage and, and want the human element because, you know, it's an edge for you, that, that the fact that you can influence that human element. Um, you know, and I, and I do think, like, there, there, this is conduct between human beings. And you, you mentioned, Coulter, you know, when you have altercations on the floor, uh, we got to have a human element there to, to sort of adjudicate that and to make good decisions about fairness and so forth. The other kind of counterpoint to you know letting AIs and automation take all of this over, you know the, these algorithms are, are are not without bias, and we see this across uh, so many aspects of our society. We like to think that they're making correct decisions and rational decisions based on data, but the decisions they make are functions of the the algorithms that human beings construct and so yeah if you're building in some sort of historical database of calls over time to sort of define to an ai what a call means what a right or wrong refereeing decision is if that's based on data with with flaws and bias within it we're just codifying that bias and so you know AI and automation are certainly not the, the, the answer to all of our problems. Uh, and in fact, they, they kind of introduce a whole host of problems. So I'm not arguing that, that the, the human element will, will, will be replaced completely, but I do think there are areas and we see this and why it's, you know, it shouldn't be a surprise that it's taking hold in tennis first, because that's an area where technology can do better plenty of areas where I think humans can can and will continue to do better. I just makes me have a freak out thinking about a day someday where maybe none of us ever have jobs again because everything is just artificial intelligence. <laughs> if we if you watch Westworld, it will give you nightmares, I promise. And it's Justin Angle. He's a business professor at the University of Montana. Joins us every other Tuesday for a business angle presented by Blackfoot Communications. And 
Yeah, I totally agree with the premise of the human element needing to be a part of the game, particularly when it comes to the emotional standpoint. Like Robin Selvig, for example, at the University of Montana, that's part of the home court advantage. Is It's not just mm-hmm. the fans that are at Montana cheering. When, when Robin Selvig was the women's basketball coach for 38 years, the theatrics of Robin Selvig, the 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 performance, it was part of the reason people went to the games. It was part of the reason why the Lady Grizz were almost unbeatable at home because it wasn't just the negotiation and manipulation of the referees. He manipulated the entire environment to then give Montana this unbreakable home court advantage. And I think it's a, it's a real thing. And I think that if we lost that, we would lose some of the humanity and some of the, the emotional uh, attachment of sports. So um, it'll be interesting to see if, if this is continues to be pursued, because I do think you're right, Jess, I think in some areas it's, it's a no brainer, but in others, I think it's it's risky at best. So, I mean, is there any other places where you think this is a, a slam dunk and other places maybe where you're a little bit more tenuous or hesitant towards it? Yeah, I mean, I think I'm a little bit more bullish than the two of you on uh, the strike zone in baseball. Uh, I could see it taking hold there. Um, we see it used in other areas, you know, like that we've been able to replay buzzer shots in basketball for years. You see you know, whatever, administrators making decisions about intent after the fact on flagrant fouls. Um, and so, so some of that is kind of like dealing with that human element um, and, you know, and trying to sort of enhance the ability for a human to make the right judgment given technology. Um, and I think probably the, the sports that involve the most person-to-person contact will be the last to adopt some of these things. I mean, I think trying to um, you know, develop, an, a, 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 whether it's an artificial intelligence or some sort of machine learning algorithm to sort of understand what a foul is or what passion interference is or, or, or intent when you're dealing with like unsportsmanlike conduct or a flagrant foul in basketball, those are probably gonna be the last places because you know, those are much more complex judgments um, and the context in which those events happen are very important. And a, and a human being watching it as part of it, um, that's probably where uh, it'll be the last place where, where any kind of technological supplementation will, will, will take hold. Well, Justin, there's a few weekends that I find myself at least uh, hinted into NASCAR. And, of course, this last weekend being the Daytona 500, this also posed the question right to me, too, to ask you, does artificial intelligence, uh, intelligence maybe eventually put NASCAR drivers out of business? I mean, could you see it being a possibility where we could have AI kind of basically running the cars around the track for the Daytona 500 in 20, 30 years? Well, it depends on what we consider the sport to be, right? You know, is, is the sport who has the fastest car or is the sport who's the best driver or is it some combination of the two? You know, right now it's it's... You know, there's certain rules of standardization. I mean, that's sort of why they call it call some classes stock cars. And you see, like, in sailboat racing, it's called one design racing. So you sort of give everybody the exact same equipment and figure out who the best, uh, you know, the best driver is. Um, to me, like, that's that's the core of the sport. However, the core of the sport needs to be defined by you know, who the viewers are and, you know, and who the organizers are in a world where we're just trying to figure out the fastest, you know, who can make the fastest car to go around in circles. If that's how we define it. 
if the technology is really driving, you know, what the sport is and how people make decisions around how the sport is run, then yeah, you're probably going to see um, AI and automatic automated driving start to come in. And then I think there is like a big kind of question of safety of the driver. So are there artificial intelligence mechanisms, automatic driving mechanisms that can prevent some of the really bad accidents? You know, I don't know enough about that sport to really predict. It would seem like that would be a place where, you know, um, you're seeing that kind of technology in consumer-level cars. Um, if we can save lives and allow people to compete at, at a high level um, based on driving ability but prevent the errors in driving from being life-threatening, that might be an area where, you know, you see NASCAR move in that direction. Justin Angle, a business angle right here on Nuanez Now. We're kind of building a little podcasting empire now between Riley's Inside the Den, Nuanez Now, Big Sky Breakdown, Grizz Greats, but we also have Justin with the business angle and, of course, a new angle podcast as well. Justin, I know you got a new uh, release out today. Tell us a little bit more about what you got cooking at the new angle. Yeah, we released a, a really uh, thoughtful episode with Dr. Beverly Tatum. Uh, Beverly Tatum is a former president of Spelman College. Uh, she's a clinical psychologist. She's an expert on race um, and higher education. She's actually going to be visiting with the University of Montana community on March 3rd as part of our presidential lecture series um, engagement, although it's, you know, normally these folks come to campus, but we're doing it uh, via Zoom this time around due to COVID. But yeah, I had a, had a great conversation with her, learned a lot. I mean, there's all these kind of like, you know, rhetoric and buzzwords around like systemic racism and dismantling racism. And a lot of like, a lot of this, this language is, is threatening to, to people. And, and Dr. Tatum was able to kind of cut through it in such a way that, that I certainly came away from the conversation understanding these topics and their importance and the nuance within them um, much better than I did before. So I encourage folks to check that out. And I encourage folks to check out that presidential lecture series talk on the, uh, on the third because it's open to the public. Yeah, so that was a good one. It's definitely something that I miss more than anything. I have gone to the majority of the president lecture series uh, Ever since I moved back to Missoula three and a half years ago, it's one of my favorite things, and uh, I, I got to get back involved on these zooms because I think that that would be definitely worthwhile. Well, one thing, one last thing for you, Justin. I know you have another new podcast coming out as well. I'm fascinated by this Fireline. Tell us more about your Fireline podcast because just from the brief description you gave us uh, in the email, man, it sounds fascinating and also very important. Yeah, so we're doing a, uh, this is like a side project, uh, uh, you know, a deep dive um, sort of investigative piece of journalism. You know, the, the a New Angle show, it's, it's sort of a new topic every week, right? We do these interviews, whereas I, I started out wanting to kind of interview a firefighter and a smoke jumper, and then I quickly realized that, like, hey, to kind of dip a toe into this fire topic, particularly in this community, that's not the right approach, like really need to go deep. And so that's what we've done. I've teamed up with a couple of young, hungry journalists, journalists in our community, Victor Iveas and Nick Mott, and we've got uh, distribution through Montana Public Radio. What we're doing is a six-part investigative series on what wildfire means um, for you know, our local community, for our planet, and sort of how do we understand this moment we're in 
And for us citizens, how do we understand what our responsibilities are to, to move us forward? Clearly, you know, the way we've approached wildfire over the years, um, you know, it's led to this kind of unsustainable position we're in. These fires are getting bigger, hotter, and more destructive, and um, it doesn't have to go that way. And so, you know, that, that series comes out on the 9th. We interview um, firefighters, policymakers, land managers, politicians, um, uh, scientists, and anybody in between to sort of help us understand wildfire. It's a complex issue, and uh, I'm excited for people to learn more about it. If you're sitting at home, or even if you're not sitting at home, if you're out and about, you're active, whatever, get on the podcast game. I promise you can educate yourself at such a high level. I do it all my all the time on my road trips, during my workouts. You can just learn so many things, including from these two great podcasts, the New Angle Podcast, as well as Fireline. Justin, I am very excited to check out the one you just described. I used to fight wildland firefighter. I was a wildland firefighter in, in college. I had to make a little money in the summers, and uh it's a fascinating um, bureaucracy in itself, but also a great pursuit. And uh, you know, you learn a lot doing it, and you also get to be outside in the great state of Montana. But I'm fascinated to consume this, and uh, we look forward to hearing more about it and giving you some feedback on it as well. But thanks so much for being with us today, as you always are, and uh, hope you're well, my man. We'll, we'll talk to you soon. And again, happy birthday to your wonderful daughter. Thanks, Justin. Indeed. Thanks, fellas. Be well. Justin Angle, a business angle right here on Nuanez Now. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org.